Welcome to Startup Cornell, a podcast exploring the bold entrepreneurial ideas coming from our students, faculty, staff, and young alumni. I'm Kathy Havis, your host, and today we're going to talk to Khali Jorio, founder of AfriTrip Advisors Morocco, a travel company that offers private and customized trips around Morocco. We're excited to hear the story of how he developed this business, why he wanted to be involved in the travel sector, and what inspires him as an entrepreneur. To find out more about entrepreneurship at Cornell and see the show notes from this episode, visit eship.cornell.edu. And remember to rate and review our podcast by scrolling to the bottom of the episode. That way, even more young entrepreneurs can find the podcast and be inspired to follow their dreams. So welcome, Charlie. Yeah, good morning, Katy. Thank you very much for the invitation. I'm very happy to be here. Yeah, we're so glad you could be here. So why don't we start by having you give us the 30-second elevator pitch of your company? Sure. So Afrotrip Advisors Morocco is a travel company that offers private and customized trips to Morocco. That includes generally a private driver, hotels, meals, activities, and visits, all customized to meet the interest, passion, and budget of our clients. Our trips can range from discovery trips to team trips around cuisine and wine, a Jewish heritage trip, a yoga and wellness trip to events and conferences and honeymoon trips. So depending on what the clients are looking for, we make it happen. That's awesome. That sounds wonderful. What's the latest with your company? What's your biggest priority right now? What are you working on right now? So after rebranding the company last March and operating trips around Morocco, developing expertise in the Moroccan market, we joined the eLab Accelerator last August to be able to grow the business in the U.S. So we started doing market research to understand the U.S. markets and the American traveler, and we decided to target independent travel advisors in the U.S. So currently, we have developed curated itineraries for the U.S. market, and our focus right now is generating more leads and growing our sales. So over the past weeks, I have been attending travel shows around the U.S. and connecting with travelers and travel advisors to understand more their needs and generate the right leads for the company. So we are very excited that we already have trips planned for 2022 and 2023, but we still have a long way to go to be able to grow the company over the next few weeks and months. That's great. Tell me personally what you think is so amazing about Morocco that people should definitely experience, and it might not be the first country that comes to mind, but what is it about Morocco that people don't want to miss? Of course, what I love about Morocco is its diversity. There are a lot of great things that people love when they go to Morocco, whether it is the food. Like the one thing that people, when they come back from Morocco, they're like, we love the food. We want to go back and have more Moroccan food. Then it's the hospitality of the people. Like people would help you and be nice to you without expecting anything back. And this is for me something that's very, very valuable and it impacts a lot of our travelers' experiences. And lastly, the different sites and the history, whether it is the different historic sites in Fez. Fez has, for example, the oldest and the first university in the world that was founded by a woman, actually. The different sites in Rabat, Casablanca. Then we go back to Marrakech, that's a very old city with different historical sites and experiences and very atypical activities people get to do. Whether it is like the Moroccan hammam spa experiences, we get people to have breakfast in the sky, overseeing like the boundaries of Marrakech. And whether it is the, the authentic Moroccan desert, the Sahara, spending a night there under the stars, it's like enough and unforgettable experience where you are in the middle of the desert in a very luxurious tent and spending a night there for me it's something that really really impact the experiences of travelers who come to Morocco. It's very hard to describe Morocco and your experience there until like you come and experience it but 
it's a country that keeps a big touch in people's lives and experiences when they go back home and after leaving the country there are a lot of small details that really touch people when they come to the country so yeah I'm very excited to be working on that country and promoting it so and it's my honor as a Moroccan to be able to do that that's wonderful so when you talk to travelers who've come back from Morocco what are some of the like top three things that they say really surprised them about their trip they would not have expected to find I would say the first thing that surprised people and make them love Morocco is the food. The very special cuisine in Morocco really, really gets people an experience they don't forget. And the second thing is what I talked about before is how nice people are to tourists and to really, really make sure people have a good experience. Like my latest client, he was like, my driver, I wanted to be my son. I want to take him back with me to the US. Uh, like people really care about clients. Whenever you go in the hotels, in the restaurants, in the museums, really find people trying to help you for Not because they are really expecting something back, but because they want you to have a great experience. And lastly, is of course the infrastructure. Like everything is very detailed, whether it is the how the buildings are, maybe the, some paintings you find. When you go to the souks, how many small details you find in many different things. Whether also in your hotel rooms, I would say those are like the three things that surprise the most when they come to Morocco. So obviously travel has been an important part of your life. So talk a little bit about your travel experiences growing up and maybe how they led to you to land on this, the idea for Afrotrip Advisors. That's a very interesting question. So since I was very young, my parents love traveling. They've been able to travel a lot before they got married and then when they got married and they had kids they start they needed to take cars and get us to travel to different countries and of course I'm not from a very rich family and traveling is very expensive so my parents like had difficulties to of course get us to different countries I used to when I was young for example we used just to cross the border from Morocco and go to Spain but my mom really wanted to explore more the world wanted to take us for example to Asia but a trip there is like pretty expensive and something that's marked my childhood is that like one year I think it was in 2012 I was about 12 or 13 my mom really wanted to take us to a trip to Malaysia Indonesia and Singapore but it was like very very expensive so she actually took a loan for us to make that trip happen. And this experience made me really start valuing traveling from a younger age and not see, take it for granted, seeing it as travel is something that you need to invest time and invest money in to make it a success and have a very good experience. So since I was young, I was able to travel to many different countries in Europe, Asia with my family. In 2015, actually, I was accepted to join the African Leadership Academy in Johannesburg, South Africa. It's a two years program for based on leadership and entrepreneurship. And I was able to travel to South Africa and live there for two years. And when I was there, I learned a lot about the African continent as a whole and a lot of different African countries, whether it is Tanzania, Kenya, the amazing travel opportunities in South Africa, in West Africa, Ghana and Nigeria. And I asked myself this important question of why as an African, I have never thought of traveling to other African countries. And I'm an African and I always think of going to Asia, of going to Europe, of going to America, but I would never think of, oh, I want to go to Kenya or I want to go to South Africa. And like there are also great travel opportunities there. So when I was there, I started a small project that was called at first Africa Land Tours, if I remember well. And then it was developed to my Afrotrip and the vision of it was to promote trips to Africa and traveling to Africa. And then I started like during the summer of 2017, I used to organize travels to Morocco, Tanzania, South Africa. It was on a very small scale as I still was young and I had like a very low number of clients, but it was like my first experience in starting to develop and operate trip. And this experience is what led me to actually apply and join the hotel school here at Cornell. And when I came here, I a little bit stopped working on the business. I was more focused on my classes. And 
after my sophomore year at Cornell, I decided to take a leave of absence. It was supposed to be a year, but it ended up being 18 months. I was able like to travel to over 10 countries, had a seven-month internship in Singapore, traveled a lot around Asia. And then I came back to Morocco and felt the need to really start this business again. And how it happened is that my friends wanted to organize a trip to the Sahara. So of course, I'm the one who took care of the whole organization part. And during that time, I, I felt like I missed doing that. And just like this, I decided to restart the business and rebrand it and focus on Morocco and like in less than six months we have over 350 people traveled with us and when I came back to the US we started expanding the, the business here in the US so that's the overall story that led me to where I am today. Wow that's exciting so yeah. when you were chosen for the program in South Africa you already had an idea that you wanted to do something related to entrepreneurship or have your own business or did that already kind of sit in your mind as something you wanted to do? Actually what drew me to entrepreneurship was more like NGOs and social activities and actually what led me to the African Leadership Academy is it was an NGO. I co-founded with my friends. So we were 13, 14. I was a little bit active in the social humanitarian club of my school. And I was used to see all those organizations and NGOs in Morocco. And I was like, oh, why not? Why don't we start an NGO and start an NGO in Morocco? And we ended up starting the first NGO in Morocco started by teenagers that is called Edes Sans Limit. And that experience had changed my life 360 degrees because... In Morocco, you expect young people to just go to school, study, follow like some generic routes, be a doctor or an engineer or a lawyer. It was very hard first to get my parents accept the fact that I'm starting an NGO legal with papers. When we used to go to the Moroccan authorities, we got rejected four times before actually getting the papers to be able to get that NGO out of the ground. Our main objective was to help people in need. We had like renovated few schools, help people with food during Ramadan. So some small actions, but leading those actions, leading a team, knowing how to work with people from a very young age had a big impact in my life and maybe triggered that entrepreneurship spirit that made me want to start my own business or start my own projects going forward. Oh, that's exciting. That's great. What a great story. And did that NGO stick around for a while? Did you work on that for quite a while? So I was president of the organization for two years before moving to South Africa, and it's still operating as today. I'm still serving as an advisor. Today we have branches in over seven Moroccan cities, and I'm very, very proud of it because we started from nothing, and today we have like over 200 members around Morocco. I still help from time to time, but we have a great team who is currently leading the organization in Morocco. So do you feel like at this point, obviously you're focusing on Morocco, but could this company be a company that expands to a lot of other countries in Africa as well? Yeah, 100%. That's why like our name is currently Afrotrip Morocco. And uh, next summer, actually, we are having a first prototype of making Moroccans travel to Kenya and South Africa that I'm very, very excited of for encouraging intra-African travel. So our focus right now is mainly Morocco, but our vision is to grow to more African countries for sure. So once we develop expertise in organizing trips to Kenya and Tanzania and next would be South Africa, we'll be like offering our expertise to the world in those other countries. That's exciting. So I'm sure that COVID has caused a little bit of a headache for you for the past couple of years. Do you feel like you're on the positive side that things are really picking up? Are people much more excited about planning trips and thinking about going? And how do you feel that's impacted you? What I tell people is that like COVID impacted my business more positively than negatively because when we rebranded in March, actually, we needed to build partnerships with hotels, build partnership with guides, and everyone had no business because borders were closed. People weren't able to come in. So like I remember in the past when I was young and I was trying to meet hotels, it was very hard to get to them to get. But now I get to sit down with the director, build very good personal relationships with them that are still like up of today that are still working. I think what impacted the business later on was Omicron when the wave came. We had a lot of 
great trips planned, but everything got canceled when Omicron started being a thing. But right now, I can see that there is a real interest. There are a few bookings, people are interested in traveling. So COVID is becoming less of an issue. I really hope things become stable. I really hope the war in Ukraine don't escalate and that would like kill the business, the tourism industry as a whole. So I would say things are getting a little bit better right now. So you mentioned you came to the hotel school because of some of your experiences. Did you know that you wanted to pursue this specific kind of business or did you have some general ideas that you wanted to pursue? I mean, to be honest, in my first two years at the hotel school, I was like very open. I knew that I was passionate about the tourism industry in Africa. But when I came here, I a little bit lost at first that interest as I saw that there are many other opportunities, many things I can get involved in, but I ended up going back to it. So I knew when I came here that I'm passionate about the hospitality industry as a whole and on the African continent more specifically. And I think what I developed more in the hotel school was my passion to more develop to the, I would say, the real estate or tourism industry as a whole in the, on the continent and thinking of ways on how I can contribute to better the industry on the continent, not only bringing people, but making things better on the ground. So I know you're part of eLab and you mentioned that already. Can you talk a little bit about how eLab has helped you as well as other experiences at Cornell have maybe shaped you as a founder? I mean, to be honest, when people ask me about my favorite part of my Cornell experience, I always say it's the entrepreneurship opportunities and support we get here at Cornell. I'm not saying this because I'm on this podcast, but like there are a lot of organizations around the US, around the world who praise themselves as like supporting student entrepreneurs, but like they are not like making tangible action that help students. And I believe that here at Cornell, since I came from my freshman year, I first got involved with the life-changing labs. As a member, as I was able to meet a lot of student entrepreneurs, that having that community of students really helped in, you know, knowing there are other people who are passionate about the same thing. But then there are a lot of other opportunities that supported me as a founder first. So I'm doing the minor in entrepreneurship and innovation. And I was able to take so many interesting classes at Cornell that really helped me to develop my ideas, develop my skills, know more how to build a business, know more how to identify a need and build also a solution. I received a lot of mentoring from the Pillsbury Institute at Cornell through the Entrepreneurs in Residence program since I remember my freshman year at Cornell. Meeting very strong and big entrepreneurs really helped my journey because you, they teach you what you can do, what you can do, give you feedback on your ideas, show you how maybe you can do things in a better way. And I would say as well, the competition and hackathons at Cornell help you more practice what you learn, help you receive a lot of feedback on your ideas and be able to build that entrepreneurial mindset to be able to build your business. And I lost another organization that I got a lot of help from is the Blackstone Launchpad at Cornell. There are so many mentors. I don't want to mention one or two to, for, to not forget others, but there are a lot of great entrepreneurs and great mentors within the Cornell entrepreneurship ecosystem who really care about the student founders and help them. That's great. So I know I saw you, I was in New York City when Elab did their pitch night in New York City. And so what are some of the things that are helpful for you to do events like that where you're in front of a, you know, a group of potential investors or customers? How does that help you kind of hone your idea? Of course, I think one of the most important things that we have to do as entrepreneurs is selling and to be able to develop sales skills and be able to sell your products, whether to investors, whether to clients, whether to potential partners or team members, it takes practice. You can't just be a great salesperson. I mean, some people are, but you can't be a great salesperson since day one. So I think pitching a lot and getting my idea out there got me a lot of positive things. As sometimes people contact you with some potential contacts, with some potential feedback, with some potential ideas to be able to develop your business. I would say it gives you practice. And I think this is a very important thing for any entrepreneur to be able to grow their business. So I want to move a little bit to talk a little bit about what makes you as a person, an entrepreneur, 
uptick and what maybe some things about your routine that might help other people who are looking to get inspired to start their own business. So can you talk a little bit about what tools you use that make your life easier as an entrepreneur, either digital tools or physical tools or what things that you use that have been really helpful? I'm personally a big planner. I really invest a lot of time in planning my days every single day so I know what I will be doing this morning, this afternoon, this night. I usually use Google Calendar to plan my day. I have it synchronized across all my devices. And whether some people might agree go about it, but I, I find emails very effective, making sure to email my team members, email people I work with, people email my partners and clients and have constant updates with them through that tool. It has been for me very helpful as an entrepreneur because you are able to track the progress you are doing, able to see what still needs to be done. So I believe using those two tools really, really helped me plan my days as a student entrepreneur that you have to be involved in so many different things at the same time. Right, right. It's definitely true. So what is your life like? What do you do like when you get up first thing in the morning? And, and if you had like 15 minutes in the day that was free, how would you spend that? Honestly, like the first thing that I do in the morning is that I wake up, I find at least like 15 minutes worth of audios from my business partner in Morocco updating me on the business. So the first thing before I leave bed, I have to listen to what he has to say. Sometimes there are like urgent things that I need to do because there is that time zone difference. So sometimes I have to send an email. I know it's not the best morning routine and I'm still like trying to develop a good morning routine. But as of now, like the first thing I have to do is like listen to the audios from my business partners. Like sometimes it's 20 minutes worth of audios of updates. It takes so much time to listen to, maybe do some follow-ups and then I get to start my day. Personally, if I had like 15 more minutes of free time, it's like generally talking with my friends and family. As entrepreneurs, sometimes we get super busy with work or even as students that we forget to catch up with people we really care about. So for me, it's like spending more time calling my parents, calling my grandparents, my close friends back home. I'm sure your family is happy that you make a priority to do that. That's for sure. I didn't even think about the fact that you would have a business partner in Morocco. What's the time difference? It's uh, five hours. It's not very bad, but... And you found that leaving each other audio messages versus just like sending a text email is better or more efficient. It makes people share more details than they would say share in like writing. And especially that like he has to work every day and like just sending emails and messages everything might make things a little bit boring. So having things as a conversation makes things a little bit easier. But of course we do that, but like we have also weekly emails that we have to send. We have a lot of written communication. So do you have a habit that you think helps you most in your business that you'd want to share with us? I think the most important habits for student entrepreneurs is to be consistent and work every day, maybe slowly but surely in getting your business out of the ground, I believe is very important because consistency in anything in life is generally helps you. But especially when you are building a business, you can't work today and then not work for a month and then come back to the business. I mean, some people can do that, but if you really want to build a business while being a student entrepreneur, you really need to make it as a priority and be consistent in the work you do. And when you are consistent in this, there are opportunity costs that you have to give up on other things. For example, like for myself, like I don't have like the best social life at Cornell. I have some few friends, but I it's not that I don't want to, but sometimes I don't have time to be able like to go out every day, go to parties every weekend, as like many other college students. But you have to give up on that in order to be consistent in building your business. That's great. So as an entrepreneur and as a student, you get lots of advice. And I'd love to hear if you have a piece of advice that you've gotten that you thought has been really helpful, as well as if you have any that you are glad that you didn't follow. Sure. I think a very helpful advice that I got 
as an entrepreneur, especially in the travel industry, is to be patient and uh, not expect that you work, you will like lead to results tomorrow and know that like anything you are building might take time before like it turns into a big business and generates a lot of revenue. So being patient for me has been a very, very important advice over the past months and two months because I got a lot stressed when I saw that sales were not growing very fast. And like as of now, I hope we were getting like more sales and more leads for our trips. But being patient and following the process and doing my best and waiting not waiting but like just being patient before expecting the company to really grow big I think it's very important I won't say it's a very bad advice but something I'm very happy I didn't follow it that like a lot of people like gave me this advice to get a job after university and like maybe do your business after but honestly like I believe that when you are 20 to 30 is like your best time to fail and a lot of people have been saying that like even if it doesn't work out I will always have a backup plan I can go back to grad school I can find a job through a different way but I think the advice that I'm very happy I didn't follow that I'm not looking for a job and we'll see where this is gonna take us (laughs) right that's exciting and you're graduating in December yes right so you have a little bit of time to set up how that's all gonna work but that's exciting that's really exciting so I know that you are quite young but you've already done some amazing things you know from your NGO to starting this business so at this point what do you consider your greatest success I mean honestly like I would say uh, my greatest success is the NGO I started when I was 12 or 13 because it was a very small baby that for me is now really grow a lot in Morocco and it's led to many programs one of them is the Moroccan Youth Social Entrepreneurs Group that is affiliated to the NGO I started when I was young and we are working with other students to help them develop this entrepreneurial spirit through like summer camps and programs in Morocco to be able to get them to think about ideas get them to experience working in projects and do things that they don't do actually in their school or university so I believe this is like the organization or the projects I'm the most proud of for like what it has achieved and where it is going. That's fantastic. Yeah. So tell people how they could find out more about your business or get involved or sign up for a trip if they're ready to go. So you can find us at afritripmorocco.com. So it's A-F-R-I-T-R-I-P Morocco, M-O-R-O-C-C-O.com. And you will find different itineraries. There are like five discovery itineraries ranging from six to 15 days. There are itineraries, themed itineraries through different teams, the cuisine and wine, through yoga and wellness, depending on what you are interested in. And to sign up, you can either fill a form on our website, or you click on plan now, and then there is a form with different questions that you can answer on what's your interest, or you can just like send us an email to advisor at afritripmorocco.com. And we are having also like a 10% discount for all the Cornell community who is traveling with us to Morocco. And what we do is that after we fill the form, we send you a first proposal. Then we have a call with you to understand if you like it, if you want to change anything, if you want to have it at a lower or higher budget, and then we make it happen. Oh, that sounds great. And on a snowy day like this, it sounds lovely to be headed somewhere else. I just want to thank you for your time. I just want to say that being a student entrepreneur is not easy. And for all students out there, if you really have a business and want to follow, like I do encourage all students, especially at Cornell, there are a lot of resources. And the only way to get help is to ask for it. Like, don't be shy to go to entrepreneurs, to go to faculty members to ask for help they are more than happy to help look at for opportunities there are like different opportunities at Cornell to be able to receive support and to practice either to pitch to get funding so there are so many things out there that are not gonna come and look for you if you don't go out there and try to seek them so 
I'm very excited to see what also other Korean entrepreneurs are going to achieve over the next few years. Well, thank you so much for visiting with us today. I appreciate it. To find out more about entrepreneurship at Cornell and see the show notes from this episode, visit eship.cornell.edu. And remember to please rate and review us by scrolling to the bottom of the episode and sharing your thoughts. Your reviews help even more entrepreneurs find our podcast. So a special thanks to Abigail Younger, my editor extraordinaire, and to Bert Odom-Reed of the Cornell Broadcast Studio.